Shalom, y'all. You're supposed to say shalom back, but that's okay. I just got back from Israel, uh, and I'm really excited about that. was there for uh, 11 days, and I'm working on putting something together to make a presentation on like a Sunday evening or Monday evening, something like that, as I put the details together, and if you're interested in hearing about the trip, um, the details will be forthcoming, but just wanted you to know that I'm trying to put something together as just an incredible experience. So thank you for all of you who uh, prayed while I was away and um, for uh, just uh, the support and, and love. It's just uh, amazing to be able to walk where Jesus walked. So I'm excited also about the series. Super grateful for Pastor Tom kicking us off last week um, and look to just continue in this. So why don't we just go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll jump right into the message today. Lord, thank you so much for this day. So grateful to be in your presence with our church family. So glad, Lord, to be connecting with people online and to be able to open your word. Father, help us to treasure that moment together collectively and the freedom that we celebrate in opening that word and gathering collectively. Let us tune our ears to hear what you would have us say and may our hearts just be open to respond and to take action in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to write two numbers down, all right? If you're taking notes, I want you to write two numbers down. They're going to be long numbers, so just brace yourself, but I think you can handle it. The first number is 70,216. Say it again, 70,216, all right? You got it? All right. Second number is 233,000. 398, 233-398, 233-398, 233-398, 233-398. What do these numbers mean? Man, I sure am glad you asked. The tension was killing me. The smaller number, the 70,216 is the estimated total of people who are attending church today in the Quad City area. The second number is those who are not. With a total of 262 churches in the Quad City area, that is an average of 268 people per church on average. Now, there would, be, there would need to be an average, get this, there would need to be an average of 800 people in church, every church, all 262 of them in the Quad City area, an average of 800 people in each church to get off of Barna's 2019 list that we've mentioned several times where the Quad Cities made number 15 of the most post-Christian cities in the United States of America. And there's a lot of math behind all this and I would be happy to share it with you if you are interested in where those numbers and those calculations came from. And I, now that I've gotten a little bit more um, precise with some of the numbers, it really clarifies and makes the picture um, much more realistic than just grabbing at random numbers. But these are very accurate numbers, 70,216 people in the Quad City area, um, and then 233,398 um, who are not in church today. 
And um, just remember that's based off of those 262 churches in the Quad Cities area and that there would need to be 800 people in every church in all 262 to be able to get off of that list that we've talked about uh, of being number 15 in the most post-Christian cities in the United States of America. So here's the point of all these numbers. Something has to change, right? Wouldn't you agree that something has to change? Because when, I, when I'm confronted with the facts, right, I, we can approach this a couple of different ways. And I've been in church long enough, and a lot of you have too, um, if you've been around church for a while, where we talk in these aspirational uh, phrases and inspirational ways and convicting ways in these big philosophical ways where we say something needs to change, yeah, we need to do more for God, yeah, we need to go out and, and be kingdom-minded people, yeah, and, and we don't really know what that looks like, but we say those things and we know they're true, but we really don't know what those things look like, and we don't really know how that drills down and affects my life or my rhythms, and we don't really know what steps to take in the right direction to be able to actually see change, and then what type of change are we actually even looking to see? So when we say something has to change, we can all agree, and we can go, yes, amen, something has to change, but we go, what? What has to change exactly? That's what I want us to talk about today. The first thing really that I want us to understand has to change, that our mindset has to change. Our mindset, I'm not talking about um, uh, just, just you necessarily as an individual, although that's true. I'm talking about us Christians, BCC, this local body. Our mindset has to change in order for us to see something begin to make this eternal impact to change. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bible this morning, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. I'm going to go through quite a few scriptures. It may be easier to write it down unless you want to try to like compete with me in like old school sword drill, see who can get there first. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Jesus looked at the masses and he saw there were more people that weren't being impacted by this gospel message than were. He saw people, as scripture describes, they, they were lost. They were like sheep that had no shepherd. And so Jesus, out of his compassion and looking upon the masses, he turns to those who are following him, who are looking for instruction. What do we do? And he said, guys, man, there's plenty of harvest out there. The harvest is plentiful, but we need more laborers because there are few people out there actually doing the work of reaping this harvest. There's plenty of potential out there. There's a lot of people who are in need. There's a lot of lost sheep out there, but there need to be laborers go forth. So he's not only telling them to go forth, but he's telling them also to be prayerful that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into that harvest. Over in Matthew chapter 6 
and verse 33, after the disciples were asking Jesus about what are they going to eat, what are they going to drink, and Jesus tells them, don't worry about those things. He tells them this in this famous verse, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So the disciples at this juncture was concerned about their material needs. And Jesus said, what you really need to be concerned about, what you really need to be focused on, is what's most important in the kingdom of God. You need to be focused on this kingdom agenda that God has that should supersede even your own material needs. That should actually be more important to you than things like food, clothes, shelter. God's going to take care of those things is what Jesus tells them. So don't spend toil, worry, fret, be anxious over those things. But instead, he said, be focused on the things that matter most to God, and God will take care of the rest. One more scripture over in Luke chapter 14 and verse 23. Jesus gives this parable of all these people who are invited to this banquet, right? And so there's this servant who's talking to this master, and he's going out and trying to find people to come to the master's banquet because the people who were originally invited, those people came up with excuses of why they couldn't make it when the master actually said it's time to come to the banquet. And then Luke 14 and verse 23, Jesus said this in his parable, and the master, and the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. The servant went out and said, I've invited the weak, the crippled, the lame, and there's still room. And then the master said, go back out into the hedges, the highways, and go compel them to come. I want my table to be filled. And it's this idea of living with a kingdom agenda, a kingdom priority, and the role that you and I have as disciples of Jesus. A kingdom agenda priority must take precedence in our homes. So when we talk about the mindset that has to change, the mindset that must change in order to see God's kingdom agenda accomplished in our lives and in these cities, it starts with us reorganizing and reorganizing orienting our priorities to align with what God says is most important. He's saying there's a harvest field out there. I just gave you some numbers. Every one of those numbers represents someone's life. Every one of those numbers represents someone's eternity. And Jesus says, go out there and be those laborers in that harvest. Go and seek the kingdom agenda of God. Go out and invite them, compel them to be able to come to Jesus, not just come to church, but to come to Jesus. What God has called us to do, it's bigger than Sunday, it's bigger than Bettendorf, and it's beyond our lifetime. And we cannot simply just do what we've always done and expect anything to change. That doesn't mean that some of the things that we've done are bad. It doesn't mean that some of the things that we've done are, are, are somehow need to be just completely done away with. But we need to evaluate our methods. We need to evaluate the things that we put our effort and our energy into. And we need to look at the fruitfulness because I want to be a part of fruitful living, not just staying busy. Sometimes we equate busyness to effectiveness and it's, uh, it, it, it's a lie. We can be very misled thinking that because we're busy doing things for God and we're busy doing things in the name of Jesus, that it's actually being fruitful. Uh, we need to measure and evaluate 
all of our efforts and all the things that we do in light of kingdom impact? Is this moving the needle in eternity? Is what we do as a family that are filled with the love of God on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit, is what we do and how we live our lives, does it make the enemy nervous? Does BCC being here where we're located, does this local church make the enemy nervous that we're here in the Quad Cities? I sure hope that it does. Amen? Because I want what we do and the stuff we put our energy, our effort, our resources into, I want it to impact and influence eternity. Because that's why we're here. That's what matters. It's seeking first the kingdom of God. It's seeking first the agenda of God above my own agenda. And that's hard, man. Because we get comfortable and we like our agenda. That's why it's our agenda. I like the things I like. You like the things that you like. But I have to evaluate the things that I'm doing in my life, the rhythms that I'm in. And I have to ask myself, am I being an effective laborer in the harvest? Am I being an effective laborer in this local region, in this harvest that God has given me? If not, some things in my life are going to have to change. Because I want to seek his kingdom and his agenda and his purposes first, above my own, above what makes me comfortable, above what I've always done, above what I like. And say, God, what do you want from me? What are you requiring of me? We sang earlier today, I want to be tried by fire. Man, that's a difficult process. It sounds sweet and spiritual because it's nice and it has nice music and all the beautiful voices singing, I want to be tried by fire. And in the background, there are people screaming, I'm being tried by fire. Ah! Because it means that there's things that aren't going to make it through the fire. It means that, Lord, I don't want anything that's of myself, that's not of you, even things that I have deemed and qualified as good, I don't want these things to supersede what you want in my life just because I've deemed them good. Lord, if it's not of you and if it's not effective and if it's not productive, Lord, let it be consumed by you so only as I pass through the refiner's fire, so only what is pure and what is of you remains. That's how I want to live my life. That's how I want our church to be focused. That's how I want every one of our families to be focused. That we look at this society that we live in. Some of you are Quad City natives. You've been here your whole lives. And you drive past certain places in the Quad Cities and you look at those things affectionately, maybe with memories, or maybe you drive by some things and you don't even realize it because you've just become kind of calloused over to it because you just see it. It's what you're used to. You've been here your whole life. I'm hoping that I can... I can stir you a little bit and get you to see things a little differently. Maybe things that you've always seen, neighborhoods you've always driven down, maybe places you've always gone, you begin to look at them differently. You get in the rhythm of going to work. I've worked the same job for 20, 30 years. I want you to see those people at the job differently after hearing a message like this than maybe what you saw them last week when you worked with them. Because there's a different priority. You're, you're putting on a kingdom lens and you're looking at those lives and those people and you're going, man, that, 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 that's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. So if you really break down those numbers that I gave you based on the Quad Cities area in general, what that means is that today, when you go out to lunch or whatever you have to do for the rest of the day, I want you to think about this. What that equals is that for every 10 people that you see, only two of them were in church today. 
Every 10 people you see, only two of those people were in church today. And, and just because they were in church doesn't necessarily mean that they know Jesus. And I want that to impact you. I want that, I want that to, to set in your heart and in your mind and change the way that you may look at that waiter or waitress that you're interacting with. Or maybe that person that you get angry with or short-sighted with and you, you want to have this negative confrontation with them because you didn't get your way. I, I want you to think about that. Let that temper your interactions with people today. I want these things to be constantly at the forefront of our minds, just like as Jesus looked out and surveyed the people, man, he said, these people are like sheep without a shepherd. We need to be prayerful over this thing. We need to be more aware over this thing because we can't just simply do what we've done and expect anything to change. Some people will come and see, and, and, and that's a strategy that a lot of churches take, is this come and see type mentality. We in church leadership refer to this as an attractional model. It's this, you know, kind of come and see thing where people will just come to the church to be able to hear the gospel, to experience the presence of God, and to be around people who love Jesus. And, and that's, that's great there's nothing necessarily wrong uh, with this idea of people coming and seeing, but it has its limits because the come and see mentality is not going to reach the Quad Cities if all we try to do is just attract people to come into our doors on a Sunday morning. That's not going to accomplish the goal. If it was going to accomplish the goal, it would have already accomplished the goal because we've been doing come and see for a while. You see, we have to think differently about our day-to-day -day lives not just simply get people just to try to come to church and attract them to come into our doors. And so we have to define the purpose of what we do here on Sunday morning, why we gather. Because we're not just gathering for the purpose of creating a large evangelistic tent that we hope people will come and see and be attracted to and, and want to invite their neighbors and their coworkers. Those things should happen. Those are good things, but that's not the only strategy we should embark upon. That's not the only way that we should look at this thing because if all we do is take that attractional approach, then man, we are handcuffing and limiting the gospel and we're advocating responsibility to a select few rather than truly being a Great Commission-focused individual and Great Commission-focused body. And so we have to think differently. So here's our purpose. I want you to get this. Why do we gather on the weekends here at BCC? The purpose of the large weekly gathering is to be equipped to live out our sentness. That's the purpose. I want you to get this. I don't want you to miss this. The purpose of the large weekly gathering, what we're doing right now, what some of you are doing online by being a part of this virtually, is we are being equipped to live out our sentness. I've heard it said that one of the most important moments of a church service that happens on a Sunday morning is when the church actually gets up and leaves after the service is done because they've been equipped and now they've been sent out to do what they have been equipped to do. One of the most important moments is when you walk out those doors and get in your car, what have you done with what God has done in your heart in these moments we've shared together? What is your next step that you're going to take with the information that you've gained, with the inspiration, the correction, the conviction, whatever God has done in you, what are you going to do? Those next steps matter immensely. And we have to have that type of kingdom priority and kingdom agenda. This is why the writer of Hebrews over in Hebrews chapter 10 says this in chapter 10 and verse 25. 
It says, we should not neglect to meet together as the habit of some, but we should encourage one another and all the more as you see the day, capital D, day drawing near. He's talking about the great and terrible day of the Lord is what he's speaking of here. The writer of Hebrews is talking about there's coming a day, man, where all of this is going to be over. And man, we need to meet together. We need to gather together and not neglect that. We need to prioritize meeting together and not get out of that habit. He said some people have already gotten out of that habit and that ritual and that, that, that gathering because the believers need to be there. They need to gather and be able to worship together, honor God together, to be equipped together, to be sent together, to understand the mission that they've been called to together, to be given direction together to be able to fellowship together. All of the one another's that we see in Acts chapter two that happen, we, they need to see those happen within the context of community, but it doesn't need to be just simply limited to Sunday morning because the church is not simply a once a week gathering. The church is not somewhere that we simply go or attend. It is who we are. We are the body of Christ every day, 24 seven, it never stops. We never stop being the church. Yes, we may not always gather every moment of every day, but when we do gather, man, this assembling is to remind each other, hey, we're not alone in this endeavor. We have people who can help us as we're growing in Christ-likeness and godliness, who can spur one another on to good works, who can sharpen one another, who can be able to link arms with one another, bear one another's burdens, care about one another in a deep way, be able to fellowship with one another and be on mission together and unified because we all understand we can't do this by ourselves, right? I can't accomplish reaching the Quad Cities by myself. Even BCC as one church in Bettendorf cannot reach the Quad Cities by itself. Those 233,398 people cannot be reached by just one church who has a vision. No, no, no. We have to understand this is bigger than us. This is bigger. And so our mindset in this has to change. Our priorities have to change. And even the reason we gather on Sunday morning has to change. And we have to understand that the reason that we're gathering is so we can be equipped. So come with that sort of expectation. I would encourage you, when you arrive to come to church on a Sunday morning, or when you open up the, the stream on Sunday morning, I want you to come with the expectation of, I am going to be equipped to better let, live out my sentness, that I am being sent into this area that God has planted me, called me, into this area that I call home, this area that I live and work and I'm raising my family, that when I'm sent out, what I'm gathering with other people to do is to sharpen each other, encourage each other, being equipped so that I can live out my sentness. And I'm not talking about just simply living it out from one event to the next. I think that church events are great. I think that we can have great outreaches, we can have great organized things that we do together, great trips, great things that we accomplish, and we can celebrate those large things, but I'm more interested not only in those things, but in us living it out every single day, where we live out our sentness every single day, we begin to look at things through a different lens. And so what this means is that we have to change our mentality towards why we gather and what we're doing. And this is gonna be the curve that we have to make if we really want to be bigger than Sunday and bigger than Bettendorf, and we want to impact generations beyond our lifetime, we have to make this curve. We have to be able to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it, lest we fall into this idea that it's just all about us and for us, and we get a very limited scope. 
there are a lot of churches that are closing their doors and that are dying as a result of their limited scope. A lot of churches that are not full of life, not full of vision, not full of an energy to see uh, the priority of the kingdom impacted because people just want it to be all about them. So I need you to understand that what we're doing here and what we're gathering in our church is not an activity center for Christians. It's not a show. It's not Christian entertainment. The church is not the Christian's proxy to advocate responsibility for making disciples to pastors. It's not a country club for Christians. It's where the Bible is taught. Fellowship takes place. Biblical care and love is experienced through the one another's and how we treat each other, where we, uh, where we understand that, that, that these instructions are given and, and, and we experience that type of love and focus and unity so that we can unify the body of Christ to fulfill the vision and mission that Christ has given the local assembly. The purpose of advancing the kingdom agenda that God has in this region and that God has all over this world. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says it like this in verse 11. says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, if we read this, we understand that God's purpose for the church is beyond me. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. This is the purpose. He said, I've given these leadership gifts to the church in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And it's not just talking about what happens on Sunday morning. If that's our only investment in eternity, then we are missing the mark. And we are in danger of generations growing up after we're long gone that do not know the Lord. And I believe that BCC has a different heart that wants to see the next generation live their faith out stronger than we ever did. That was a good opportunity to amen. <laughs> you see, church, God's purpose for the church is beyond me. It's bigger than Sunday. Here's our big idea for today. God's purpose for BCC and our lives is bigger than Bettendorf. God's purpose for BCC and for our lives, it is bigger than Bettendorf. It's bigger than this region because we are seated very uniquely in these quad cities. And a lot of you don't even live in Bettendorf. Sure, some of you do. I live in Bettendorf. I, I love living here. But some of you live different places. Some of you drive quite a ways to come here. Thank you for that. Thank you for making that journey. You, you pass a lot of good Bible-teaching, Bible-believing churches to come here. And the reason that you do is because there's something here that God is doing that, you, that resonates with you. There's something God has done in you through the fellowship of believers here that has connected you, that resonates with you. There's an investment that you've made here that you believe is valuable to continue to make that journey over and over. Thank you for doing that. Because I believe God has called you to be a part of this local body, just as I believe God has called other people to connect and be a part of other local bodies in the Quad Cities area. This is how it works. This is how the body, think about our physical body, 
how it works and the way it connects. This is why the Apostle Paul gives this illustration in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. He says this, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. You see, it is God's will, God's desire of how the body is arranged. And so God placed all of the pieces of our physical body just the way that they needed to be placed so that they could work the way that he intended for them to work for his glory and for his purpose. And the same, Paul is using this as a way to illustrate how the body of Christ works. That's why that illustration of the body is used in terms of the body of Christ, that God has placed each part of that body right where he wanted for his purpose and for his glory. And every one of you, that call BCC your home, I believe that you have been placed here by God. I believe that God has called you here. I believe that God wants you to be here because there's something that he has gifted you. There's something that he's put on the inside of you that's a smaller part of the whole that's going to impact eternity and move forward his kingdom agenda in these quad cities. And I believe that it's bigger than you just chose this church because you like the preaching or because you like the music or because you like uh, the, the color of the carpet or whatever people choose churches on. You see, this consumerism idea in the body of Christ has to die because if we're only trying to influence the consumeristic idea and trying to make everybody happy and give them what we want, then all we end up with is a church full of consumers that just are here because they get what they want. I think that the vision and the mission of the body of Christ must be bigger than what I get or what I don't get, what I want or what I don't want. You see, it's about the kingdom. It's about eternity. And when it comes to eternity, man, I really don't care a whole lot about getting my way outside of me pursuing what God wants for me and what God wants me to do and where he has me. And when I'm where God wants me, then Lord, Help me to be content where I am so I can be effective and I don't get distracted by the pettiness that the enemy would want to come and try to whisper in my ear and make it about me again because it's not about me. It's about your kingdom, Lord. It's about what you want. And if he's placed you here, then you have a role. If he's placed you here, we just went through a whole series talking about getting off the sidelines. If he's placed you here, where he saw fit, if you believe 1 Corinthians 12, 18, then God's purpose for your life, it's bigger than BCC, it's bigger than Bettendorf. And if God has called you here, placed you in a part of this local assembly, it's imperative for you to understand this. If BCC is indeed your, your church home, I need you to hear me today. This could be one of the most important things that you hear as a part of this local assembly. I need you to understand that we are laser focused on the vision and mission that God has set before us. We understand where we are located in these quad cities. And we understand what God has set before us and the vision that he's given us is bigger than Bettendorf. This is, this is part of the launching area for what God wants to do in these cities to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ to see disciples made, to see the Great Commission happen, to see new generations of ministers, evangelists, missionaries be sent out from amongst our ranks and amongst our families, to see eternity impacted, to see the gospel shared, to see people discipled in a way that they are producing fruit, evidence of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. But what that means for us 
is that we have to embrace change and we have to be willing to go beyond what makes us comfortable. We have to go beyond what we've grown accustomed to. Because if you are here to simply attend, if you are here to simply soak and not engage, I will lovingly tell you, but clearly tell you, you're in the wrong place. Because we don't want people to just come and soak and not engage. We very much have a purpose, and we very much believe this purpose that God has put in our hearts. So what is it going to take? What is it going to take? We've talked a lot about the why. Well, what is it actually going to take? You've given numbers, Pastor. What's it going to take? Well, first and foremost, we have to obey what Jesus said when he looked out and he surveyed the people. What did he tell his disciples to do when he saw them as sheep without a shepherd? What was the first instruction he gave them? He said, pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. We have to be a praying church. Jesus said that my father's house should be a house of prayer, right? And we understand that we are the temple of the living God. You know, scripture says, know ye not that you are the temple of the living God. God no longer dwells in houses made with, 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 with hands and, 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 and stones. But now he dwells on the inside of us. His spirit resides on the inside of us. So that means this temple that God has given us, that his spirit lives on the inside of, this temple must be a house of prayer. We must be houses of prayer. Our homes must be houses of prayer. Even this building that's been dedicated and consecrated to the purposes of God must be a house of prayer. And what are we praying? We're praying, Lord, and send forth laborers into this harvest. Help me to live out my sentness every day. Send forth laborers into the harvest. We must pray. Second, we must be people who are growing and serving together throughout the weeks that we're, we're actually living out this idea of bigger than Sunday. Because if all we do is just simply gather once a week, we're never going to see those numbers change the way that they need to. Our mindset has to change. Our priorities have to change. So I don't know what that means for you. Maybe that means that you need to be connected in in some sort of a small group. You need to be connected with other believers. You need to prioritize some things in your home where your family gathers together and they worship together and they pray together and you get involved in scripture together and you talk about how you're living out your sentence as a family. And there are certain names of people that maybe you're praying for, that your kids might have a name of a person in their school that they're praying for and that you talk about that at the family table. Maybe at work, you have someone you're praying for and your family's praying with you on that person. And you're strategically just connecting with them for the purpose of just planting seeds and watering those seeds and letting God do his thing. Living more intentionally. Maybe that person that's always in the break room when you're in the break room just isn't there just because you guys happen to take breaks at the same time, maybe God has sovereignly ordained for this connection to happen because you are a light in the darkness. And you've just always thought, I'm going to eat my sandwich, eat my salad, do my thing, and they're going to do their thing, and I'll be nice to them, say hello to them, whatever the name is. Maybe there's something more there that you need to see differently. You see, it's these types of things that we say yes to that begin to change the landscape where we live with a greater priority when we don't just put that off. Oh, that's, that's what those Christians do. No, 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 no. That's what me as a disciple does. 
Maybe it is for you creating more space for people to gather in groups and working within the structure that BCC has provided to help accomplish that and be trained and equipped in that. We would love to do that. That's why we have those things. We're not just trying to keep you busy with church activity. It's not what we're interested in. We're trying to influence and impact eternity. We believe that what we do matters a great deal. Matters a great deal. The third thing, a little bit more challenging, get to know people who aren't Christians. Do you have any people in your life that are not believers? I'm sure you do. Have you expanded that circle so that you can be planting more seeds and watering those seeds? Praying for those people, whether they know about it or not. And getting to know them and sharing with them the love of Jesus. Walking with them through life. Being there for them through the ups and downs. Letting God do his thing in their heart as you're planting and watering and being faithful. We have to get to know people who aren't Christians if we want to see the kingdom impacted by people who don't know Christians. Because here's the thing, church. I don't want to just keep swapping the deck around the quad cities of the Christians. Oh, the so-and-sos used to go here, now they go here, right? I don't want to just keep doing that. I want us to see the kingdom of God impacted. The fourth thing, I'm serious when I say that BCC is going to be planting churches outside of Bettendorf, and I believe that what that's going to look like as clarity continues to come and the strategy continues to get unveiled is that we're going to be multi-site, multi-different models and different approaches. That's becoming increasingly clear as pastors and I talk about these things, research things, look into things. So pray as those types of things or conversations are happening, because that's kind of the phase we're in right now of just saying, God, what do you want to do? We know that 262 churches in these quad cities is not going to be able to do it, because each one of them would have to run 800 people just to be able to get off of the list. That's not everyone being a part of a faith community. That's just people, that's just getting off the list. And that's every church in the Quad Cities and assuming that every church in the Quad Cities is a gospel preaching church. So there's a lot to be done. And if you want to know the number where everyone would be filled in church, every church would have to run 1,312 people. Every single church in in the Quad Cities to be able to hold the Quad Cities. So we've got a job to do. Amen? Most churches' buildings can't even hold that. Our, our building can't even hold that. We, we can hold 750 people with one service. So we need to understand there's a job to do. So we will do this, and we're praying for that, and I ask you to join in praying with us on that. When is all that going to roll out, man? I don't know. All I know is that I'm praying and saying, God, reveal to us the next steps. And I'm going to keep preaching about it, keep talking about it until God gives us the next step. That's all I can do. The fifth thing is that we must have a stronger engagement within reaching our kids, our students, young adults, and reaching out to cities, our cities through, through missions. Even like what we did over this past Saturday, going to Youth Hope, those types of things, being more intentional, connecting with people, investing in next gen, because man, We have to prioritize investing in young minds and young lives because guess what? Uh, The world gets that, right? They market towards young people. They're trying to grab their hearts, grab their minds, grab their attention, and it's working. We must reach their hearts. We must connect with them, show them the value of following Jesus so that they can know the truth, that Jesus loves them, know what he did for them, 
and that they can trust him. We have to set that example, set that tone. Somebody has to share that with them. Somebody has to prioritize talking to them about it because not every home is doing it and not every family is hearing that. There are even kids that my daughter goes to school with at her Christian school. She goes to a Christian private school and there are kids within her school that tell her that they're atheists. I mean, so don't think just because someone attends a church or just because someone goes to a Christian school, oh, those people are Jesus followers. No, not necessarily. I had a man get me after service a couple weeks ago, and he said, Pastor, I appreciate your message and what you shared, but I want to tell you that I know a guy who's an elder at a church, and he's an atheist, but he's an elder because he wants to be in a position of power in this church. And he wants to be able to make certain decisions and get certain things done his way because he likes certain things in the church. So don't assume just because someone's there that they really know Jesus. Man, we could let that stuff discourage us. Or, or we could say, what a great opportunity and what an exciting time that God has chosen to insert us into human history to impact eternity. What's your next step? What are you going to do? That matters a whole, whole lot. Because the greatest thing that's going to happen today is when the church is mobilized walking outside of these doors. What are you going to do with that? Lord, give us wisdom, direction, Holy Spirit, clarity. I pray that you would orchestrate our steps, that you would guide us and lead us, Lord. And if there are those here watching online that do not know Jesus, may today be the day of their salvation. May they find hope in Christ alone. May they reach out to Jesus as you are there, just as you were there for that thief on the cross in his dying moments. Lord, may they reach out to you. And Lord, we know that you're faithful to be there for them. And may they put their faith and trust in you. And may us who have received your free gift of salvation, may we live out a kingdom agenda priority for your kingdom, for your glory. May we be a kingdom-minded church that understands what you've called us to do is bigger than Bettendorf. It is bigger than Sunday. And it will last beyond our lifetime. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.